Chapter 7. Keep Being You There is beauty in knowing that there is only one of you. Your existence is a miracle. In this expansive world, only one of you has your funny little quirks, bold ideas, and big dreams. Your gifts are unique and your purpose serves those in need. Embrace that in the grand calculation of the universe, life chose you to inspire others through your beautiful personality. Your authentic emotional connections will love you for who you are unfiltered. They'll cherish you beyond expectations and support you at your most significant moments, even when it looks like you've rolled out of bed. In my opinion, it's still one of your classiest looks. Believe that your loved ones will challenge you to be at your best. They may be tough on you occasionally, but recognize that they're looking out for your best interest. Be thankful for your lifelong supporters because they'll be there for you during times of celebration and most notably through difficult moments. Live beyond the status quo and trust your inner voice. You are the creator of your own identity and know that your beauty exists in originality. How's it everyone? My name is Michael Kabuko and welcome to another episode of the Love Notes for Life podcast, your creative space for amplifying greatness through gratitude. So what is love? Actually, let me ask a preliminary question since we are in the second week of February and everywhere around the world we are approaching the day where Cupid brings out his compound bow that even Lara Croft would be jealous of and that is Valentine's Day. So here's the question. What is the point of Valentine's Day? Well, if you ask my old office mate, he would straighten up his collar and be prepared to present an hour-long presentation on how Valentine's Day is a corporate scheme driven by capitalism. And before you could add your two cents in, he'd immediately bring out his Venn diagram and his pointer stick and charts to solidify the idea that Valentine's Day is purely motivated by greed and has nothing to do with love. In contrast, if you ask children about Valentine's Day, well, you'd probably get a variety of answers that could only exist through the wide-eyed mind, as expected, from an innocent kid. Some would blush and laugh and would avoid answering the question altogether, while others would immediately think about candy grams and for the brave little ones, handing out those little heart-shaped sweets to their crush and with those like little cute quotes, right? And for the rest of us, well, it could be great, miserable, or questionable. Take your pick and choose your own adventure. Being single on Valentine's Day raises a lot of questions, especially from the aunties. As a second-gen Filipino-American, I was brought up with a multicultural background, even if I grew up all my life in the United States. You see, the old country values and ideals doesn't get left behind when people immigrate into the United States. In fact, it's those identities that most first-gen Americans hold on to dearly, even in a dynamic and modern society. The word change isn't readily embraced, and especially by those who feel deeply rooted in their cultural identity. It even gets to the point that the old ways of life are expected to be passed down into future generations. So yes, my aunties had an extreme desire and concern 
for my relationship status as quote-unquote single. And a quick sidebar, this is a good opportunity to talk story about the idea of aunties. You see, the term auntie doesn't necessarily have to represent a blood relative, but rather it's a term applied to those who are older than you, but close in a sort of family way. And the best part of having these aunties? They truly act like they're related to you and have no shame in calling you out. During family get-togethers, the topic of I and what's Mike up to became a frequent favorite discussion between the aunties. The topic became a broken record, either from the adults gossiping with one another saying, why is Mike still single? He's got a great job, so why doesn't he just settle down already? And for the bolder aunties, they would be more direct and yell across the room and say, Michael, settle down already. Your mom and dad want grandchildren. Don't make them wait. Yeah, okay, I'm on it, auntie. You got it. Thankfully, my parents were great negotiators, and they understood my plight. They would tell my aunties that I was career-focused, and settling down was just not my priority. And I would just observe these dialogues from afar, and pretty much nod my head and say with a bit of hesitation, Yep, that's right, auntie. You know, for the 1600th time, I'm a little busy at the moment. You know how it goes, trying to level up in life. But in typical fashion, my aunties would brush my comments aside and continue grilling me on why I was still single. And even if I tried to defend myself, it would basically be in one ear and out the other. And if the aunties weren't enough, I would receive equal attention from friends and coworkers. It wouldn't happen often, but when it did, it wasn't a comfortable conversation. Funny story. Back home, there was this dude that I would run into all the time at the gym. He loved giving me a hard time, but in the spirit of good fun. He would always joke and say, man, you got a good J-O-B, you making money, you're fit, and I know a gal if you're ready to settle down. And I always thought it was so funny how direct he was and how he was trying to play Mr. Dr. Love. And no matter how hard he tried, I wouldn't give in, and I would typically give him the same answer every time. All right, man, I appreciate it, but you know, I'm still working on them gains, and I'm still focused on building up my financial situation. In a sense, all this chatter, whether it was gossip or direct conversation, did make me stop and think. Were these questions from my devoted aunties and my persistent gym buddy valid? And were they right to be so concerned about my personal life? To be honest, it did bring up a bigger concern than I had, that I kept deep down inside until now. The fear of living life only to die alone. When you choose to live an extraordinary life, you temporarily step away from living a normal life. You step away from the white picket fence, an ideology and symbol, that has represented the perfect middle-class life. You delay the dreams of settling down, having a big house, hey, even having a family, and even a chance to find some sort of peace within yourself. (laughs) And here's a contradiction for you. You delay the ideal American dream to pursue your own version of the American dream. It's a common catch-22 a mutually conflicting situation that is inevitable on the path to pursuing life's greatest achievements. 
It's a fear in itself, and it really makes you wonder, is all this work that I'm doing right now, will it even be worth it in the end? I've watched the world grow up around me. I've seen my friends get married, settle down in their cozy homes, and I've watched their kids grow up. I've witnessed a life where there's no need for pressure and the weekends were meant for relaxing instead of trying to pursue this obsession that I've called a dream for many years. I've heard the stories of a simple life where the only true worry is how fast the weekend goes by and come Monday, it's back to the nine to five grind. It's tempting, you know, the simple life, the life of pure gratitude without the need to have more, the need to prove to myself that I must somehow maximize my ROI in life or else I'm just living a subpar life, or the obsession to pursue goals at the expense of stress and pain just to cultivate gain. It's a heavy mentality, but what most people don't realize is that the more you want in life, the more honest you really just have to become. And it does come with a price. Trust me, it does. And I really can't see it any other way. And maybe one day, maybe one day, I realized there might have been an easier way. But the life I chose is far from normal, and it is a choice reserved for those crazy enough to pursue a tomorrow that may not even happen. So really, what is love? There is beauty in knowing that there is only one of you. The summer of 2022, I remember jotting that quote down and writing the draft of the chapter that later became known as Keep Being You. At the time, I had no intention of writing or illustrating a book, but I wrote that love note as a gift to a girl that I really respected and admired. She was, and still is, someone I look up to, and I'm grateful that for whatever reason, whether cosmic or coincidence, her presence arrived at the right time in my life. She inspired me to do better. The words I wrote came from an honest place, and I truly meant everything I said, and in case you're wondering, yes, I gave her that letter, not in the most graceful or traditional way, but I'll save that story for another time. Keep Being You was the first love note of Love Notes for Life, and it challenged me to continue questioning my idea of what love is. It challenged me to truly define what it meant beyond the surface level definitions. Maybe I was overthinking the situation, but I really wanted to understand why my heart acted so irrationally at times, and why my mind was always racing and thinking and thinking and thinking. So I kept writing, journaling, and drawing, and as I wrote the last chapter of Love Notes for Life, I think I finally found what I was looking for. Not completely, but just enough to finally define what love really meant to me. Love is simply the desire for others to be happy. Well, how about that? I just sold you a 148-page book that was finally summed up in one sentence. I'm just kidding. But isn't it funny how sometimes we tend to overthink our values when deep down inside we already know the answer? Somehow, between when I was a kid to becoming an adult, I just somehow forgot about what love really meant. Maybe the disconnect was due to external influences such as media or being exposed to other dominant personalities. Or maybe it was just some innate desire to treat love as some sort of trophy, accolade, or checkpoint in life. But I knew what love was because I felt it. 
I shared it, and I created it. I felt love when my grandparents would go out of their way to ensure I always had a proper meal, even if it might have been heavy on the fat and light on the protein. I shared love when I shared my time for my family and friends, and especially when I let my nosy aunties go for it and asked me the same questions all over again. I created love when I chose to act like a weirdo to make my friends laugh, and I'm not ashamed to admit it that I find every opportunity to be goofy to make anyone, whether it be friends or strangers, to put on a big emoji smile. Love is simply the desire for others to be happy. So isn't that the real point of Valentine's Day, besides hour-long waits in a lobby even if you have a dining reservation at your favorite restaurant? Beyond the heart-shaped chocolate boxes, the flowers, getting the right gift, and trying to find the right words to accompany the perfect card, Valentine's Day is still a love note, once a year, whether your relationship status is single, taken, or it's complicated. Love is simply the desire for others to be happy. Defining love helped me see that I shouldn't fear living out a great life, because we're never truly alone. I believe that if we act through love, we surround ourselves with love. If we learn to give happiness, then we learn to create happiness. And if we're clear with our intentions in defining love, then peace is totally achievable. All right, my spider senses are tingling at the moment, and I can sense the cynics in the room. I hear you, I hear you. So if love is simply the desire for others to be happy, then what about me? Ah, yes, me, the self. Personal happiness and the desire to be loved before giving love. To put your hands out there and say, where's my share? What about me? I hear you, and to a certain extent, I fully understand the necessity to set boundaries in how we live our lives. But if you have a few minutes, let me try to persuade you that if you choose to create happiness for others, then naturally, happiness will flow back to you. So what makes an ideal partner? Actually, hold that thought. Let me rephrase the question since we're talking about me, 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 me. A courtesy nod to the great Miss Piggy from the Muppets. So what makes you an ideal partner for someone else? Well, for starters, we can talk about personality. As the saying goes, birds of the same feather flock together. In most cases, you'll most likely be attracted to people that share the same values as you do. I used to think that opposites attract, and of course, there are couples out there that succeed in this department, but values create the superglue that make relationships last. Values are like the roadmap for becoming the best version that you can be. Think of it this way. When you want a job, you just don't write down, I want a job on a resume, fold it into a paper plane, and send it off on its way. No, that's the fastest way to rejection. Before you apply for a job, you make sure you hit the minimum requirements. You make sure that you have the right skills and expertise, and then you can entertain the idea of sending out a job application. Now, that's the first step. And for the second step, it's more about learning how to communicate and convey that you're the right person for the job. 
So you learn how to write an epic resume that is clear and concise and hits all the sweet spots to make it look all nice. And once you've triple checked your work and made sure that it best represented the person you are today, then that's the right moment to hit that submit button and turn in your resume. And if you get the job, fantastic. Truly, give yourself a big pat on your back because you've literally hit gold. You've hit the right type of love. Remember what I said earlier? Love is simply the desire for others to be happy. And you've clearly did something, right? Right? I mean, if the values align, then I'm certain you've found that one person in life that will make you better and share your happiness. Now, if you didn't get the job, and instead you get the big fat rejection letter with the thank you for your time in the subject line, well, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It sucks. <laughs> but recognize the feedback. Did you not get the job because you weren't qualified? Or did you not get the job because the job wasn't the best fit for you? Learn to know the difference and keep moving forward. A quick relationship disclaimer to the future love of my life. If, for whatever reason, you come across this podcast episode, please do not take any offense that I compared our relationship to a job application. I would never want you to get the wrong idea that our relationship was purely built from a work-related example used to explain love. Please do forgive me, and it was just the easiest analogy that came to mind at the time. Anywho, I digress, but hopefully the cynics are a little less cynical, and the optimists are a bit more optimistical? Is that even a word? Oh, never mind. I meant optimistic. So there you have it. I finally made it through one of the cheesiest and most vulnerable Love Notes for Life podcast episodes, and I hope I did the cheese do justice. Also, one more love note about Valentine's Day for the guys out there. Sure, it's one day in the year, but don't wait for one whole year to show someone you care about them. It's kind of like the holiday winter season. You just don't flip the love switch on for one day and then turn it off once the New Year's start. And then think you have a pass for the rest of the year. Yeah, that doesn't work. Women are much smarter than you think. Just a courtesy reminder, guys, and you'll thank me later. So everyone, happy pre-Valentine's Day, and strive to be present for the people you love, and choose to be better for yourself, to be better for others. Thanks y'all for tuning in to another episode of the Love Notes for Life podcast. I look forward to continuing this conversation of awareness and amplifying greatness through gratitude. My book, Love Notes for Life, is now available on Barnes & Noble with the direct link in the show notes below. Thanks y'all for the support and always remember there is beauty in knowing that there is only one of you. Take care.